If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of 1 Kings. Turn to 1 Kings. You know, God has created us with a purpose in life. He wants us to know um, how he has designed us, and that is a place where we are most satisfied when we know what God wants us to do. And as a believer in God, our purpose is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. And the word disciple means learner. So uh, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a discerner, a disciple of Jesus Christ is to learn of Jesus. And his purpose uh, for us is to increase in our love. Grow in our love for God and grow in our love for people. Now, we have said recently that our love for God and others should increase. Wherever you're at in 2018, God wants to increase your love for God and for people in 2019. And we've looked at specifically, um, first of all, the church. When we link ourselves to the church, being connected to the body of Christ, it is, a, it is life-giving. We thrive. God does not have orphans in his family. He wants us to be connected to a church family. He calls us, he, he saves us, and then he plugs us in in a community of believers. We believe every person should make a commitment to join a local church family and get plugged in. And if you're interested in that, and we have had some that have done that recently, mark that on the connection card and turn it in to us. There's offering boxes in the back. You can drop them in there, and we'll get back to you on that. Secondly, we've also said that we believe that spiritual growth happens in community, that every person should not only be a church member, but also join a small group doing life together, as was said earlier in the service. We have sign up with small groups back there again at the back table, and we hope that you will um, take advantage of that. Then we also said last Sunday that God has given us spiritual gifts. Now, these spiritual gifts are to benefit others. They are to be uh, the things that God gives us, whether resources is to bless others or talents to, to edify and build up others, that we are to serve others in some kind of ministry. And again, on that back table there, there are some uh, lists of ministries where you can get plugged in and serve. I believe that everybody ought to serve. You ought to have a heart to serve uh, one another, and a ministry is a great place to do that. Now, these are not meant to be checklists of performances, <laughs> uh, you know, check off and, and, you know, I've done this and so, God, you know, I'm in favor of you. That's not what that means because all these things brings us to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a movement towards Jesus Christ. It is, it is in a place that we can be that draws us closer to Jesus Christ. Let me put it this way. A disciple of Jesus Christ connected to a church is growing spiritually through community and serves in a ministry. See, think about this. Jesus belonged to a New Testament church. I mean, he was really close to it. He created the church. And the church, now get this, understand, is a living body. It is a living entity. It's not like the 4-H club. 
It's a living entity. Let that sink in. God created mankind by taking clay and forming a body. But it didn't come alive until God breathed into man life, and man became a living soul. In Matthew 16, the first book of the New Testament, Jesus reached down with with men of clay and formed the structure of a church. And in Acts chapter 2, through the Holy Spirit, the breath of life came upon the body of Christ, and the church came alive. The breath of God as, as breathed into the church life. We have life. So much life that the gates of hell cannot prevail or stop the church. That's how much life the church has. It said that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Jesus is well linked to the church as a groom to his bride. Jesus also belonged to a small group, and he certainly had a ministry. One of his greatest ministry was the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus came to serve. So today in a series of in the month of January, we're looking in 2019. Last point today has to do with being a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we are to be makers of disciples. So this is a purpose. This is a purpose. As a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the purposes is that we are to be makers of disciples of Jesus Christ. And we call this also to be spiritual mentors, you know, mentors. And mentors is maybe a word that may be more familiar with than disciples, but a mentor is that we are uh, called not only to follow Jesus, but we are called to mentor people to help them follow Jesus Christ. That's our calling. And, uh, and so in 2019, we want to challenge you to fulfill his purpose in becoming a spiritual mentor to at least one person. And we have the whole year, and, and this is a challenge that I want to give before you. As we're involved in you know, the church and involved in small groups and we serve, I want to challenge you that one of the things that God wants us to do is to mentor others, disciple others. So in 2019, wouldn't it be cool that we could have at least one person that we have mentored and now they're following Jesus Christ and growing in Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that be cool that there would be a double of, of people here serving God, and you have somebody sitting next to you that because of your life and your influence, your impact, that you have led them to follow Jesus Christ. And I believe that's very possible. That is not a high level of um, expectation where it's hard to reach. I believe it is a low shelf um, expectation that each of us could do that. I believe we could. I believe that there is even potential of someone here that they could do this every month. They could bring one new person and impact one new person to Jesus Christ. Now, here's how this can happen. So let's go to 1 Kings chapter 9. This is a cool story. And we're going to talk about five descriptive words of a disciple maker. Five words, all right? So the story that we're going to read is where Elijah the prophet meets Elisha. And Elisha eventually becomes a prophet. Elijah was a, was a great prophet. I mean, he did things that was unbelievable. 
so did Elijah. And Elijah comes to mentor Elisha, and Elisha, Elijah goes on to heaven, and Elisha just follows right in the path that Elijah has set before him. And uh, you remember, you remember that, that time that happened, and it was a unique time, is when, when the, the chariots of fire came down from heaven. And I believe that this was a literal interpretation. I believe this literally happened, you know. If not, you know, you can believe it your way, but this is what I believe. I believe it came down from heaven, had Harley Davidson on the side, <laughs> sounded like it, rumbled in there, picked up Elijah, and away they went. And Elisha saw it all. And he picked up the mantle. I mean, he continued forward with the ministry that Elijah has said. So I want to look at five words that describe a disciple maker or or what we call a spiritual mentor, if that would help you to understand this. So let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19, and let's read verses 19 and to 21. And so he departed from there. Now the he is Elijah. And we'll get to uh, a little bit more about the context of the story, but I'm going to read these verses. So, Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. 12 yokes of oxen. That was a man's man to do that, wasn't it? 12 yoke of oxen. And there he was, and he was with the 12th, and he was with the 12th. And then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, boiled their flesh, using the ox, uh, the, ox uh, the oxen's equipment, to, and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he rose and followed Elijah and became his servant. All right. So there are five words that I want to use to describe what Elijah did and what a disciple maker is. So the first word is found in verse 19 is the word so. All right? So what? My wife is from so-so Mississippi. Did you know there's a place called so-so? And it is as small as it it sounds. So-so Mississippi. It's a so-so place, right? (laughs) And... uh, the first word is so. Now, it starts this verse, or, or maybe in your version, it may say and, but it says so he departed. So that word so is a conjunction. It connects two thoughts. So there are two different sen- uh, sentences or events. So something just happened, and so then Elijah goes and does something else. So let's back up and discover the function of the conjunction. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, in fact, let's back up a little bit more. In chapter 18, Elijah has this great contest with 450 prophets of Baal. You remember that, that story? Wonderful story. If you haven't read it, you ought to read it. Uh, it it's such a cool story. And, and the prophets of Baal were going to, uh, the challenge was to call fire down from heaven. They would set up a, a sacrifice and uh, there was a contest between the prophets of Baal and God Almighty, Jehovah God. And uh, Elijah was there on one side against these 450 prophets. The 450 prophets took a lot of time to be able to, to try to call down from their gods fire from heaven, and it didn't happen. 
Elijah said, um, uh, you know, guys, get out of the way. Let me show you how it's done. I believe in the true God. And uh, so they came and they actually poured water, buckets of barrels of water upon the sacrifice and all in front of people. And he prays this about a 50-word prayer and fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice. <coughs> and the people rejoice and uh, and the, the prophets of Baal were, were scattered, and they, they hunted them down, and they killed every one of them because they had polluted the land with their spiritual uh, falseness. So this is the this, this story here. And, and then in, in chapter 19, King Ahab, the king of Israel, and his wife Jezebel, some of you know who Jezebel. Jezebel was, was not a, a lady that you wanted to be married to. And she was just not a nice person. She was a, a follower of Baal, and she got upset about this. And she said, Elijah, I'm going to send an army, a small army uh, toward you, and, and I'm going to kill you. And Elijah heard about this, <clears throat> and he ran. It's nothing like a scorned woman, isn't there? And he ran. So let's pick up the story. And uh, let's see, let's read in verse 11. He said, go out. um, uh, uh, Let's go to verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back to the second time and touched him and said, Rise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So, you, so he rose, and ate, and drank, and he went in the strength of that 40 days and 40 nights as the, as Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. Because, behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah had ran. He he had gone into the wilderness, and now he's hiding in a cave. And he just came off of this big thing of uh, causing fire to come down and for the sacrifice. And here he is, he's hiding. And God comes in and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your, your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord... Uh, passed by, and a great and strong wind tore in the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Second time. And he responds this time, I have been very zealous for the Lord God, host, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets and the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my wife, my life. And then the Lord said to him, Go, return your, on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. And you shall also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abedal, Meholah, and shall anoint as prophet in your place. 
And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. And whosoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I reserve 7,000 Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So, conjunction, he departed from them. You see what happened? Is Elijah had had a change of heart in this meeting with God the still small voice, the quietness of the cave. He had this conversation with God. You know, a disciple maker is one that they themselves are disciple and learner of God. You have to have this connection with God, this, this conjunction with God. In other words, you have to be a place in yourself that you are mentored by God, that God is mentoring and you're willing to go. And, and Elijah had a a setback in his life for just a moment. It's a temporary setback, and yet God came to him and spoke to him and encouraged him, and, and, yet, and then he did a so and did a change in his life. He came out of that cave, went back to where he should have been, and uh, God uses him. So a disciple maker has a conjunction with God. He, he has, has this has this a spiritual thing that's going on in his heart with God. That has to be there. Because, you know, no, as a disciple maker, you are trying to bring people along where you're at. And if you're not where you're supposed to be, you can't be a disciple maker. But those that are, are leading someone to Jesus are the ones that are following Jesus. They are in leadership. They themselves are being mentored spiritually. And so Elijah did a so, did a turnaround and went back. So the first word is so, conjunction with God. You have to have that connection with God. Number two, the second word is, is I want to use is go. So he departed from there. I mean, he, he went. A disciple maker is willing to be moved by God. There is movement. There is a wherever you're at, and you're going to make some move, some change in, in your life to be a disciple maker. doesn't mean that you have to move out of state or out of the country. doesn't mean you have to move to a different city. doesn't mean, but you have to be willing to be moved by God and wherever God leads you that you're willing to go. Elijah didn't stay there. He left. He returned back where he, where he was, and God gave him very clear instruction. The point that, he, that is to be made, that he wasn't stuck. He didn't stay there in the cave. He changed. He was willing to move from this place to go to this place to, be, uh, to have an influence and to be a dis disciple maker towards uh, Elisha. He was willing to go. When we look at the great commission for the church, you know, it's the purpose of the church. And I want to turn over there to Matthew chapter 28. If you want to follow with me, I'm going to read the, the, the great commission. I heard uh, recently this past week um, that in a Barnea study uh, of, um, of the great commission, that most people that attend church, and this is a, a, a kind of unbelievable, but 67 percent of people who attend church do not know what the Great Commission is. I know most of you know what it is, but maybe there's somebody here that does not know what the Great Commission is. So we're going to up the ante to 100% this morning. You're going to know what the Great Commission is. 
Here's the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus is speaking, he says in verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke, and spoke to them. And, and so it's Jesus that is speaking, and he says, authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he's coming to a place of command, a position of authority, and he's giving orders, a commission as, as, a, as a sergeant to a corporal. You know, in, in the army, there's, there's this giving the plans, giving the orders. And he says this in verse uh, 19. He, ha- he says the first word is the word, and what does it say? It says, go. I want you to go. So there is this movement. There is this going. The Great Commission is about going. It's where you are at. Okay, there's going to be a change. There's going to be, there's a, the, and it may not be just a location change, maybe a change area, but there's a willing to be moved by God. And here for the disciples, it is a location, and not only disciples, but it's actually for the church, that we're to go as a church. We are, we're to go, therefore, and make disciples, and we're to make disciples of all nations. Do you realize that that is the commission for each local church? That's not just for every church. That that is our goal. Now, that's a huge that is a huge marching orders. That is a huge commission. But by God, we can. Now, we've just started just a little bit. We have some missionaries that are going to be coming up this year. We have Brian Weed from the Honduras, and we have a, a guy from, uh, a former missionary from Peru. And we have uh, people that we have, uh, this church, the message, the gospel is being given out. And so we are taking the gospel beyond these four walls and beyond our community. We are following this. But the first word is go and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So the Great Commission is that we're to go, that we are to have an influence, not just right here, but around the world of making disciples. As we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are to make like kind in uh, other parts of the world. And that is the Great Commission. That is our commission. And so we're to go. We're to go. You know, I believe that, um, and maybe not this church, but there are churches that are full of people who are filled with Bible knowledge and full of Bible stories, and they faithfully attend Bible studies after Bible studies. But you know, when they get to heaven, there is no one who greets them and says, thank you for being my spiritual mentor and leading me to Jesus. You know, God calls us, to each one of us, to have an influence on somebody and bring them to Jesus Christ. I love what the story that Joe recently told us at a dinner recently about his missionary friend who, who said, uh, Joe, I'm getting ready to die in about, I don't know, three, four months or weeks. And uh, But he said, Joe, he told Joe, he said, but... but you know, it's like going around the mountain. I'm going to be on this side. And, and, and when we get to heaven, I'm going to be the first one to greet you. And, and this guy was a mentor to Joe. I, I love that. And I know Joe has then in turn has mentored other people into the kingdom of God 
and he still does that. I love that. This is where we're at, folks, is that God wants to move us in 2019, and we have to be willing to go. We have to be willing, more than just being a church attender, more than just, uh, you know, praying for somebody, and those are very important, but we have to be willing to go. You say, what does that look like? I don't know. It might be just going over and starting a relationship with your neighbor. It, it, It might, listen, one of the greatest places to find people who want to be ministered, who, who, who are prime candidates for disciple makers to be a, to disciple, to be a spiritual man, do you know is at a church? There are three reasons why people walk to the, through those doors for the first time. The first one is that they're believers and they're looking for a church family. So they're looking and they're checking out the church. Is this the place where God wants me to be uh, to call a church home? The second reason is that, that, that people come and they are being dragged to church. They don't want to come, but their spouse is here and they said, you know, so I'm going to keep the wife happy or I'm going to keep the husband happy or I'm going to keep my parents happy. And I really don't want to be here, but just so I can have peace in my life, I'm going to go to church. There are people like that, you know, they... For, for some, you know, reason that they really don't want to be here. Here's the third reason. And this is where we need to, st- to sit up and take a p- uh, notice. Is that people come to church for the first time because they're hurting. Because they have a crisis in their life. And they are broken. They don't know where to turn. And maybe they heard, uh, maybe they went to church as a kid, or maybe they, they, they said, you know, I think I'm going to try something that's bigger than me. Maybe it's God can help me. And when people come into the church, they are, uh, and, and there are people that come uh, for this third reason, they are prime candidates for us to come along and connect with them and be in their lives and help them in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's not this easy to be a disciple maker. You just have to be willing to go up and be in somebody's life. You have to be willing to, 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 to reach out and, and, and ha- go to lunch with them after church. or Take them, ha- meet them for coffee. Find out what's going on in their life. Invite them over. Go to the grocery store and buy some food and have a cookout with them. Those are just very simple things. As, and in that process, you'll discover what's going on in their life, and you can help them. The goal is more than just a location. It's an attitude. It's like sitting on the edge, expecting God to bring someone to you, that there's somebody that God wants me to use me to influence somebody for the gospel, to bring them to Jesus. Here's the third word. I'm going to go quickly here. The third word is found. Elijah Elijah found Elisha because he was willing to go. So to go, all right, Uh, he was willing to go, and the third word is found. In the going, God reveals what he wants you to see or know. This is a step of faith. You say, well, I wish God would bring them along, and then I would go. No, it's you go. You put yourself out there. You meet that person. You go to, to that person at work, and you start that relationship, and it's the going as a step of faith, expecting that God's going to do something there. Always, whenever God asks us to do, there's always an element of faith. 
There's an element of trust. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe that he's going to uh, make that happen. And Elijah found Elisha. A disciple maker discovers a person in need. All throughout the Bible, there are people like that. Philip went and found the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, Andrew found his brother Simon Peter and brought him to Jesus. Jesus was walking on. He's going toward somewhere and looked up in a tree and saw Zacchaeus there. And he went to his house and ministered to him. I think the first thing is that you just pray. Say, God, I want to... I want to reach somebody. I want to help somebody find Jesus. And be willing to be open to that. And watch how God directs people. And you find people. I'm telling you, this is not rocket science. This is not you have to go to college. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have know a lot about the Bible. You just have to love people where they're at. Be willing to go pray for them. And you can minister to them. And so what if they give me a hard question? <laughs> People do that all the time. And you know, I'm going to give you a secret. Here's what you do with that. You say, I don't know, but I can find out. And you come back and you have. And, and, and there are questions that we just don't know. And we get to heaven and God reveals those uh, to us. Here's the f- fourth word is give. Elijah gave his mantle, his only coat that he had. And a disciple maker is a generous giver. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time and energy, resources. It's an unselfish position that you have to be in to be a disciple maker. And love does give. It costs Elijah. But notice it costs Elisha to follow Elijah. He, you know, he was the head ranch man. I mean, he, is, he was the top of his game in his field. And, and yet he was willing to burn his bridges by burning those oxen and going forward to follow Elijah. It'll cost you something. There was a man who got lost in the desert. After wandering around for a long time, his throat became very dry, and about the time, he saw a little shack in the distance. And he made his way over to the shack and found a water pump with a small jug of water and a note. Here's what the note said. Pour all the water into the top of the pump to prime it. If you do this, you'll get all the water you need. Now, the man had a choice to make. If he trusted the note and poured the water in and it worked, he would have all the water he needed. If it didn't work, he would still be thirsty and he might die. Or he could choose to drink the water in the jug and get immediate satisfaction. But it might not be enough. And he still might die. After thinking about it, the man decided to risk it. He poured the entire jug into the pump and began, to, and began to work the handle. At first, nothing happened, and he got a little scared. But he kept going, and water started coming out. So much water came out, he drank all he wanted, took a shower, filled all the containers he, should, uh, he could find, because he was willing to give up the momentary satisfaction. He got all the water he needed. Now, the note also said, after you finish, please refill the jug for the next traveler. The man refilled the jug and added to the note, please prime the plump. Believe me, it works. <laughs> it's going to cost you something. It's going to be a step of faith. You're going to have to trust this. But believe me, it does work. And the fifth word is returns. 
A disciple maker rejoices in his investment. Oh, it is a cool thing. You talk about satisfaction of life. Talk about contentment and joy of, of knowing people have come to Jesus. They have, uh, you've made an eternal difference in their life because of God using you. Elijah invested in Elisha. Do you know Elisha ends up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah? He did some outstanding things that Elijah never did. He had a double anointing. Oh, then Elijah. Oh, that must have pleased Elijah. That must have been just so good to in and seeing how his life counted uh, for something that was that made uh, a difference. It is amazing how God will use you if you let him. It's amazing. I could go on for hours, literally, talk about things and excitement of, of what Cindy and I have been involved in in people's life. And, and I'm not trying to elevate Cindy and I. We're just common folks just like anybody else in this room. It's amazing what God can do. I, I remember uh, you were talking about uh, serving last week um, in a choir. But one of the things that I did at, during that time was I, I served on a bus route. Uh, our church at that time had seven church buses, and we'd go in the neighborhoods. And a lot of times it was in, in the poor areas of, of uh, the town there in Topeka. And, and we would pick these kids up that nobody really did, wanted to have anything to do with, and we would pick them up and bring them to church and tell them about Jesus. I worked on this bus route, and um, we picked up this little kid and from this family, and his name was Jimmy, and his brothers and his sisters were about four or five kids, and they were called the Zeke family. And those little kids started to come to Jesus, and, and they, they came to church, and then one by one, uh, after getting saved, then the, the, the dad gets saved, and finally the mother gets saved. And, and you know what? The, the, each of those kids grew up in church, and, and Jimmy, now today, probably at this very moment, is preaching in Spokane, Washington at the Liberty Baptist Church because somebody got in a bus, showed this kid and these other kids some love, and was able to bring them to Jesus. And they were learned about Jesus and, uh, as they went to church. It was as simple as that. And now Jimmy is bringing people himself out of his ministry in this growing church in Spokane, Washington. Next Sunday is going to be our fourth, I think it's our fourth anniversary. We had this argument. It, well, discussion. Sorry. She thinks it's five, but I think it's the fourth year that we've been here since our first Sunday at Somas Community Church. I'm so thankful that you allowed Cindy and I to be here. We had 12 people over here pray on that four years ago, that God, you would do something in this church and you would use us. And we, of course, give all this the glory of God. 
but it brings great satisfaction, personal satisfaction to know that our lives count for something that makes a huge difference in people's life. I can't help but look at like Tyson back there and Mallory and some of you and how God has brought us alongside in your lives and you're willing to open up. Uh, it hasn't, I mean, I'm, we're not batting a thousand here with people. You understand that there have been several people that have refused us and refuse our God. But those that have said yes to God, it's been worth it. It's been worth it. A disciple maker rejoices in his investment. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, it's beyond our understanding how much you love and care for us. There is no greater love than you, God, and thank you for moving. Years ago, my grandfather, who introduced my dad to you, and I thank you for using my dad to bring me to Jesus. And God, I'm so thankful and grateful for using me to lead each of my children to Jesus. And one day, I praise you for allowing my children that they will lead their children to know Jesus Christ. And may it never cease in our family that we're bringing each other to Jesus Christ. Father, every one of us thank you for our spiritual mentors who have poured their lives in us. And now, Father, we want to pour our lives into at least one person in 2019. Help us to be sensitive and ready to connect with that person who needs to know you in a greater way. You are their answer to life. And we praise you by faith how you will move in 2019. In the name of all names, Jesus Christ, amen.